Hi, welcome to Tube to Table, the podcast about helping tube-fed kids become happy and healthy eaters. Every week, we will dive into the basics of tube weaning to help unravel the conflicting information families get from doctors, therapists, friends, and family. I'm Jenny, a feeding therapist, mom, and food lover. And I'm Heidi. I'm also a feeding therapist, and I love sharing meals with friends and family and helping kids learn to eat. Come with us as we share practical tips and provide real-world expert advice so that parents can help their little ones start their journey from feeding tube to family table. Hello, and welcome to episode 24 of the Tube to Table podcast, How We See Ourselves. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about our own food noise as parents and our own self-image or body image and how that affects our tube-fed kids. I'm Jenny, and I'm joined by my colleague, Heidi. Hi there, Heidi. Hi, Jenny. How are things going? Oh, we're good. We're good. We're getting ready for all of the craziness of the upcoming holiday seasons, the foods and the parties and the shopping and the food. We are <laughs> in it, aren't we? Like it's, it went from, we were talking, I think in our last recording about how it was starting all of a sudden, and now we're like knee deep in the, in middle, the middle of, of it. it. Are you guys traveling at all? We are. We're going to see my family in Illinois and we'll be gone for about um, a week. Oh, there. nice. So that will be nice. Nice. How about you? Yeah, we're staying put and we're going to go. Um, we'll just travel a couple hours, one just after um, the new year for to see family that we didn't get to see at the end of the year. Um, but just a short little trip. So, but there's certainly a lot to do and a lot more, which is actually indirectly kind of related to what we're going to talk about today. What what we're talking about is the way that we inadvertently kind of use our conversations as adults about the way we see ourselves and our bodies and the way we relate to food and how that kind of spills over accidentally into the way that our kids in general, but especially our vulnerable eaters like our tube fed kids, see themselves and relate to their own bodies, which is um, certainly a complicated process. uh, It's enough of a complicated process. So just to kind of give a little preview here, what we know is that when we talk negatively about ourselves or when we have kind of diet focused or kind of culturally focused versus um, kind of self-regulation or pleasure or health focused relationships or messaging around food, that that can be really confusing to kids in general across the board. When they hear us say things about our food and guilt about how much we ate or what food choice we made, that can be a really confusing message uh, for any kid. But when you're getting too fed and you're trying to figure out how food can be trusted, oof, it's a really big stumbling block. It's funny. At first, when we started talking about this, it seemed fluffy or extra to me. It Mm -hmm. didn't seem like such an important topic. And then when I start digging into what I know about child development and what I know about how kids learn, it really, you can see the subtle impact that it has. It seems like, like I said, it seems like extra, but really what we know is that kids learn so much from listening to their parents um, indirectly, Mm -hmm. observing how their parents learn, observing how their parents feel about things. They get so much learning from that, probably more than they do in direct teaching. That's so true. And we have to realize that a lot of the kids that have feeding tubes 
that we're working with that we're parenting have um, a really complicated enough relationship with their own bodies. They've likely been through a lot of challenging things medically that we all haven't been through. And in addition to that, there's probably some kind of discomfort or real challenge or work that's happened or is currently happening around food and their bodies. And so just to like sort out the kind of common pitfalls that we as parents, I think we as a society, not that we can fix it all here, but what we'd like to do is lay out some of the most common things that we both catch ourselves because <laughs> we're all, none of us are safe from this. We catch ourselves combating as, as women, but also as people and as parents and as friends, we catch ourselves doing, but also we as therapists catch our, our, um, our clients, parents, um, falling into some of these traps and having some of the stuff happen to friends. So we've mentioned a couple of different things, but like body talk, body shaming. Most parents that are listening to this podcast have already heard us talk about how important it is to send positive, if not neutral messages about food to their kids. So we've got that, but you know, we've addressed that in some different, in some different ways. But what we haven't addressed is how you do it and how you talk about food in, an, in a, natu- a neutral way. So I'll just give you a couple of examples, especially in time for the holiday season, where I've heard just in the last two weeks, people talking about how they're going to, how they're really over eight or how they're going to really pay for that at the gym or how they're not going to be able to fit into their clothes in the new year. And A, we all should really be able to be in our own bodies and trust our own bodies. But as adults, that's complicated by so much of our histories and so much of what we're bombarded with culturally that it makes it really hard. So some people haven't sorted through all of that. Most people probably haven't. But for a kid, the message of hearing you talk about what's going on in your thighs or your pants not fitting or the guilt that you have that you're going to have to work it off, that tells your, your kid that food is a little bit scary. And that maybe their bodies are a little bit scary because they shouldn't love parts of their body that they might have had like a kind of neutral or just loving relationship with, if anything. Um, So those are the types of discussions that are really pivotal, that can really have a confusing impact on a kid. So we're not here to tell you what to do about it because I wish we could press a button for everybody. I wish I could do it for myself. I wish we could do it for everyone to kind of reset that so that we're not having even those thoughts. And certainly that's work that's really important to be doing in your own lives for you, but also for your kids. (laughs) Um, But just to say, hey, that happens. Kids are listening. And what that makes me think, Jenny, about that specific point is that kids, I don't know how, I couldn't even tell you how many kids over the years who are tube dependent are utterly fascinated by food. Yes. They read cookbooks, they watch cooking shows, they go to the grocery store, like their little minds are going so intensely trying to make sense of something that their body doesn't make sense of already. And we've talked a lot about how kids who are tube dependent don't feel hunger or likely don't understand what those feelings mean. And so they're looking for clues on what that does to your body that they don't understand or they don't feel. So if if that's going to impact their body in a negative way, it's a very subtle point in favor of being fearful. 
It is. It is. And what the messages we have about our own bodies, if you think about even your own parents or, or you know, close family members, it really does. I think most of us can mm-hmm. think of a way that a family member related to their own body and how we kind of inherited a similar idea about dieting or our bodies. And what we know is that if we're feeling shameful about a part of our body or about a certain way that we're eating, the shame that guilt actually, although this isn't our area of expertise, it is known that that shame and guilt keeps you in that cycle of not accepting yourself and then wanting to do something to change it. And it's just a really, so for you as parents, we want you to, you know, I would, I wish we could all be free of that, but that's just loaded for a little one. That's just desperately looking for a way to understand food. They're really listening. One of the ways I think to think about it is for, let's just say an example of, I need to get these cookies out of this house, mm-hmm. which is something that I would say or do because I love all the holiday treats. Um, but for kids who are young and practical and very concrete, it makes me think of this example I heard about um, when telemarketers used to call the house all the time, and I guess they still do. And the kids, you know, the phone would ring. They're like, oh no, don't answer it. It might be a telemarketer. And finally, one of the kids was like, what happens if we do answer it and there's a telemarketer? Will the police come? Like that's a very concrete thing when they were trying to figure out, I know something bad is going to happen if we answer the phone. And for us, that means we're in an annoying conversation that we don't want to be a part of potentially. But for a kid, bad can mean lots of big, big things. It can be little, you know, it could mean you whatever, but they're so concrete and their understanding of consequences is very different than ours. And so something like that, you know, just putting yourself in your kids, we probably all have great, funny stories of kids misunderstanding things that we say because they're, they're more concrete. I mean, that's one of the great joys of childhood is telling those stories, but using that as a tool to say, how might my child be perceiving all of these things that I'm saying about food and myself. So yeah, for a non-eater or a new eater, that example, let's just use that cookies out of the house example. They hear you say, get the cookies out of the house. Like in the same way you say, get the bug out of the house or the Mm -hmm. bee that flew in the window or whatever in the, in the nicer weather. That's like, Oh, that those foods can't possibly be trusted or safe, which they're already having a complicated relationship with, or in a very similar example, something about how you ate that and it went straight to your thighs. What? How does a cookie get in your thighs for a little brain? Like, you know, like they don't understand any of that, nor should they. And so while we also want you to not have that thought, of course, if you do, you do. But but for a child, it might be scary. Like, how is a cookie going to get there? How is, how is that going to feel? Maybe it hurts your thighs. Maybe that's why people are talking so bad about those thighs or whatever the case may be. Um, for the adults in your family. Um, but so in either way, we're either demonizing the food, the way it makes us feel, or the body that's eating it. And none of those are messages that are going to help any child learn to be a happy and healthy eater. But they certainly make the mountain of learning to eat orally so much higher for our tube-fed kids. I, I think so. Let's turn it around a little bit and talk about what are some things we can do instead, because yes. we're going to talk about the yes. food. And I'm thinking saying something like eating two cookies and saying, these are delicious. I'm enjoying this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to, my tummy's full now. So I'm going to put some aside. So I'll have more for later because 
I want to, I want to make sure to save it. Or telling a story about the last time you ate a chocolate chip cookie. And remember when we had cookies, when we went to see, you know, Aunt Sue or whatever the case may be, you know, linking it to a non-food or a, a non, uh, not food mm-hmm. conversation is good and it can help model. But the majority of the lessons kids are learning aren't about what we say. It's about what we do. So maybe the conversation isn't even about the cookie. I wrote a post on our blog for Thanksgiving that was a little bit about what to do if you're surrounded with kind of these situations at a family party. And so we'll link to that in the show notes, but um, because it still pertains to all the upcoming parties, but also any gathering in which somebody's having a negative message about food or their bodies as an adult. Um, Just changing the subject is a really great way. Um, If you find yourself doing it, don't be hard on yourselves. We all do it. But instead of instead of lingering there or staying there, just change the subject to something positive. If a person in the in the house or a person that's visiting is giving some mixed messages about food, dieting, um, or bodies, shapes and sizes, it would be a really great time to say something very positive, like we love you just the way that you are. What are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> or, um, or, you know, just really being able to, to acknowledge what happened in a way that doesn't engage in the shame or the negative messaging and changing the subject. And then also talking to people ahead of time. Like I, I've had to do that recently with certain family members and say, you know, we don't talk about um, calories or dieting around our small children because we want them to learn to understand how food feels and how it tasted, tastes, excuse me, and how they're comforted by it first. And we, and then that is stuff that we hope to spare them up later. You know, we weren't so fortunate. We grew up in this generation of people that were completely overwhelmed by um, diet culture talk and all of this complicated stuff around food, but our kids aren't there yet. And so everything we can do to protect them from it is huge. And I think this is a a careful topic as well, but overuse or relying a lot on the word healthy, I think is so hard um, for kids who've been very sick for so much of their life. That's probably already a loaded word, but just saying this food makes me feel healthy just is it's just a careful thing that you need to handle carefully and I, I think it's probably better advice to leave the food discussion a little bit minimizing instead because sometimes that word healthy gets kind of used like a weapon it does you know like this is healthy food and that's not healthy and therefore you're a healthy person or you're not healthy and healthy really I'm sure for kids is probably equivalent to good yeah or yeah. happy yeah and because they, they don't really understand that true and then what does it mean if they like that food or if they're afraid of that healthy food that's so good, does that make them bad? You know, like mm-hmm. the, it's just so loaded. So I guess, you know, being careful about the messaging that we're letting our children see, certainly not talking about dieting, certainly not talking about our bodies in a disparaging way. And when we can change the discussion away from these kind of black and white, good and bad labels, doing so. Um, and then a reminder that conversations can be tricky around food for all of us. And so having a conversations about the experiences that you had around food, the colors of the food. Um, we like to talk, like when I notice that that's happening in certain conversations with different family members, I often either change the subject entirely or talk about the color or the texture of a food. How is it? Is it crunchy? Is it cold? 
Is it hot? Not is it good or bad or clean or dirty (laughs) or whatever the case may be or guilty, you know, guilt inducing, Um, but changing it to something else and then keeping the focus off of the food entirely. And remembering that the majority of our conversations, if we're going to enjoy our meals, should not be about food in our bodies. That's not how it happens health in a, in a way that has a healthy relationship with food. We're talking about our days. We're talking about our plans. We're talking about each other. We're having conversations that aren't all about food. Set yourself free from those expectations a little bit. Um, and then I just was listening to a friend talk about, about that's really stuck in some of this food noise kind of herself and, and, and she had seen a quote somewhere that was really impressive. And it was something about how the best thing you can do for your child's long-term relationship with food is take tiny steps to find peace with your own. And it's not an easy fix. It's not something that happens for anyone overnight. You're just fine the way that you are. But trying to just acknowledge that that's true for you as, an, as, a, as a human, as a parent, um, and making tiny steps towards it in addition to kind of controlling the message we relay to our friend or our children rather that just, just take baby steps in the right directions towards loving yourself the way that you are to accepting your body and to getting into a more peaceful place with food. And maybe we can link to a little bit of something there too. Oh yeah. And so I think that's it for today. We'll link to some of those links that um, we talked about uh, and some ideas for how to foster or how to get started on helping yourself foster a healthy relationship with food. Um, And we'll be back next week. But before that, I just wanted to ask, please, if you guys like our podcast, if you're regular listeners, or even if this is your first episode, go ahead to wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to like us. And if you really liked us, be sure to leave us a great review. We would really be grateful for that. It helps more people find us. And that's what we would really like to have happen. We'd like more people to be able to hear this and be able to help their children become tube free. So I think that's it for this week. Have a great week. Bye, Heidi. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Tube to Table podcast. Every week, we're going to share our show notes at thrivewithspectrum.com. In the show notes, you can find a summary of what we discussed and links to all the resources that we mentioned. Also, you can visit us on social media and Instagram and Facebook. We can be found at Thrive with Spectrum. And on Twitter, you can find us at Thrive with SP. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media and let us know if you have any input or any topics that you'd really like to see us address. We'll be back next week.